0: So Money Episode 724, Natalie Bacon, Certified Financial Planner and Founder of NatalieBacon.com.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
0: Imagine having $200,000 in law school debt only to realize, years later, that you don't actually want to be a lawyer. Our guest today is Natalie Bacon, and she had this realization not so long ago. So she switched careers and took a 50% pay cut to become a financial planner. And now, fast forward to today, she's calling her own shots as an online entrepreneur and blogger. How did she manage all of these transitions and her finances? Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. We've got Natalie on the show telling us all about how she managed to go from being, as she describes it, financially ignorant To Today, a financial expert and an entrepreneur. She also shares the economics of side hustles, when to know that you are ready to leave your day job and turn that side hustle into a full-time pursuit like she did, plus how to really value your worth at your company. This is pretty incredible. This kind of blew my mind, actually. It's a simple analogy that Natalie gives us. It's a strategy that involves thinking about the iPhone. Hmm. How's that for a tease? Here is Natalie Bacon. Natalie Bacon, welcome to So Money, newly self-employed entrepreneur. Thank you so much for having me. So how does it feel? I understand that just recently you quit your job as a financial planner to take on your blog and your entrepreneurship full speed ahead. Yes, it is day two actually. So (laughs) it is great.
1: Uh, Working from home is awesome. I'll tell you that much.
0: (laughs) What made you realize that now was the best time to do this? Because I know for a lot of people that have side hustles, the big question usually is at what point am I ready? Is it right to leave the full time job and pursue this full on? Yeah, for me,
1: it was a combination of my mind and being ready, like and being fully committed. So the mindset was half of it. And then the other half of it was just like, practically speaking, am I financially ready? And can I really make this work? So I think in the last six months, the universe just aligned to match up kind of getting me ready, in terms of a lot of the personal development work I was doing on myself and that growth and just feeling really, really um, ready. I had gone to to trafficking conversion summit, um, and was around all these entrepreneurs and really made the decision there, um, to do it. And at the same time, you know, within the last six months, I have grown the income up from my blog and online business. And now I was at the point where I really felt like I was ready. Like I really felt ready.
0: So you felt ready emotionally, mindfully, financially, I have to ask specific. So how, how's your bank account? I mean, how, what, what, where does it stand? (laughs) So you felt like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. Right. You know, you have to be ready. Um,
1: You know, last month was my biggest income month. And so it was really, I have money saved. Absolutely. Um, You know, I have a good emergency fund ready, but I'm hoping to not have to use that and to leave that intact for emergencies. So I always kind of recommend and think that three to six months of an emergency fund is great. If you're going to go out on your own, Uh, more than that is probably better if you don't have, you know, your income figured out yet, especially, but for me, um, my income has only grown, uh, every single month. So in the last six months, it's grown a lot. And I think that like the working full time and I was commuting, to the office and the amount of time that I was able to commit to my business was not enough, I guess. And so I really only see, um, it going up from here in terms Mm -hmm. of entrepreneurship. And I had also felt like I had learned so much about the money management side of things. Like I really got three good years at a registered investment advisory firm with really high net worth clients. And I really felt so competent in that area that I really felt like it was time for me now to just go all in with my business and kind of get on the other side of the table and the entrepreneurship and, and learning how to really do that
0: well. I want to talk more about your journey as a financial expert, because you, I read on your site, you d- described yourself at one point as financially ignorant. You graduated from law school with lots of debt and kind of had to learn the hard way about mastering your money. Fast forward, you became a financial planner. Fast forward, you're an entrepreneur. But- I'm really fascinated with how people are able to monetize blogs in these days, you know, because like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you you had a blog, you were one of a few. Now it's like there's an oversaturation of online content blogs. So I think that's really impressive that you were able to kind of come out ahead and Become profitable so quickly and even leave your, your day job. So tell us a little bit about the tricks of the trade today, these days to mastering your side hustle as a blogger. And then ultimately, you know, taking that to a full time gig.
1: Yeah. So for monetizing a blog, I think the biggest mistake that I made early on and what I see people doing now, that's a mistake is to think of your blog as the, um, monetization tool instead of the marketing tool. So when I. I studied marketing a lot the last six months. And what I really learned was that I am, you know, here to serve my audience and I can serve them through coaching and products and whatever I want, but, and whatever they want. But the way that I do that is through my blog or is through a YouTube channel or is through all these, you know, Facebook, whatever it is, it's through these different tools, Pinterest. Those are just the tools. So I, I shifted my focus instead of focusing on how can I make money from my blog to how can I serve and provide value to the people who I'm serving and what do they want and, you know, positioning myself to where my blog is just like the marketing of that service or of that value.
0: Right. Sort of like how people do it in the podcast space and the social media space that you're not like monetizing social media. but You're hopefully using that to leverage that audience to come and find you someplace else where they're tapping into something more valuable and um, and they'll invest in, in something that you've created for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it kind of all works its way through the you know email marketing and that sort of sales funnel, um, and oh, podcasting I in just the same say way.
0: <laughs> that I mean, I think I, I am totally leaving all this money on the table because I have oh, no interest. Arthur? I am, and I know it because I'm just not interested in uh All of the market engineering that takes place. I know how hard people like you work. It's it's hard, you know, and it's strategic. And oh, so yeah, I, I love, love it. I you love it. it. See, yeah, I, I I wish I exciting. I wish I had a piece of you because I don't love it. Oh <laughs> uh, well, you'll I'd leave have to a hire people on the who table love that, it. that way. I'd have yeah. to hire people who love it, and at that point, you know, I'd have to really consider the ROI. Uh, but I I'm. I'm I'm not totally throwing it out of the realm of possibility but I feel like people say you know you're leaving money on the table news. You. you're monetizing your blog where we go to your website we like what can we buy and you kind of have to find your own way right and you have to do what feels right to you. And I'm still learning. I'm like having people like you on the show and I'm I'm taking notes. I'm learning. <laughs> I am learning. Yeah, I am. Um, I think that's a really great
1: point. It's people always ask me, you know, how long is it going to take me to make money? And that's like saying, you know, I want to start a business, how it, Soon can it be profitable? It's really dependent on the person and the avenue that you take to monetize. So, the way that you monetize your business is totally different than the way that I am trying to monetize mine. And, like you said, like I'm doing it through primarily through products on my site, but you know, that doesn't mean that down the road I might not switch and do something else or do more speaking or something like that.
0: Yeah, it's super inspiring because you're an example of just so many different ways to monetize your expertise and reach an audience. And, you know, for me, I prefer to do it through podcasting and public speaking and books. And that could be in your future. And what you do could be in my future. And it's great to just learn from one (laughs) another. And it just shows that there's so much abundance, right, in your field as far as how you can tackle it. I love that. Absolutely. There's opportunity everywhere. So take us back to when you arrived in your life with $200,000 worth of debt from law school. Um, you know, this is before you had decided to switch careers to become a certified financial planner. Uh, How did you, do you still have that debt? (laughs) uh, No, I've paid off like 120.
1: No, not all of it, like 120 of it. So and I've sort of just kind of put, you know, a few 1000 every month on it now. And I my goal is to have it paid off in the next year. But once you sort of get the money management side of things down and sort of shift and quit your full time job, (laughs) you, you understand what it takes to pay it off. And now I'm just focusing on increasing income and any sort of big payments I get, I just sort of pile that on
0: the rest. All right. And so did you enjoy being a lawyer? No. <laughs> That's all you're going to say about that. (laughs) No,
1: I think that the practice of law is, it's a noble profession. It's very prestigious. I always wanted to be a lawyer. I believed in fairness and justice. And I have uh, like a soft spot in my heart for that. But the actual practice of law, um, I'm very ambitious. So that naturally led to working at law firms. And the way that you work at law firms is all day and night. (laughs) And it's not just all day and night, you know, seven days a week. It's... um, Very stressful and expends a lot of your energy. And it just wasn't a good fit. And what I found was uh I really wasn't like in flow at all. I didn't love it. And I started learning about money at the same time because of my debt. And that's when I started my blog. And I slowly started to monetize it and found that I really loved personal finance because it was so applicable to my life. None of my peers or young professionals really knew anything about managing their own money. They were all like making big mistakes. And I just found it so interesting that we were never really taught that much. It's not really emphasized. So that's what really led me to transition away from law. It wasn't so much that I... It was a combination of knowing that I wanted to get out of that but also I knew where I wanted to go towards and I think there's it's a lot easier to leave something if you know where you want to go.
0: Tell us what what makes you so passionate about personal finance?
1: The pain point of it. You know, right now I'm really passionate about money in general cuz I just think it's like interesting and I really enjoy learning and I love like um, I'm just a very curious person and to have that amount of debt and not really feel like I intentionally got myself into it to kind of feel like, oh my God, how did this happen? That's kind of how I felt. I was really curious about like how that could happen. And then seeing that it wasn't just me and it was so many other people, I just dove right in. Like if there's something I'm supposed to know and I don't know it, like send me all the books and podcasts, I'll find a way to learn it. And that's really what I just took responsibility for it. And you know, my debt is, it's funny because I say that that's my biggest money mistake, but it's also what's given me the most freedom in my life because now I've become so interested in the way the economy works, and the way that we value money, and the way that we manage money, and how that's so different from earning money, and I think that they're just totally different areas. Um, so I've I've really taken that like pain point that I had and turned it into a business, really.
0: And then you transition from law to becoming a certified financial planner, which came with a fifty percent annual salary pay cut. How did you manage your money with that reality plus the fact that you still had the lingering debt?
1: Yeah, so I really focused on just budgeting, good old-fashioned budgeting, what I had. I've uh, never had a credit card, and I still don't have one. So it's really easy for me to never overspend. It's just a constraint that I love having in my life because I'm naturally spendy. So I don't use credit cards, and I just budgeted my income, basically, and then really... You know, went all in on trying to monetize my blog so that I could make up that income difference and then continue to pay down
0: my student loans. I love that you are naturally spendy. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I call it. Yeah. That's a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Present company included. Uh, okay. Tell me about your younger years growing up. Uh, how was money introduced to you? How would you describe your kind of uh, awareness around money as a kid?
1: So as a kid, I really didn't have much of an awareness of money at all. It was like, a very middle class family like we weren't super wealthy but we weren't poor so like i had kind of whatever i wanted i didn't really think about money i was always a really hard worker so i was excited to like get my first job and <laughs> work just to work because i liked working and i liked the idea of making my own money um one interesting reason that i don't have a credit card is because of just one off the cuff remark my grandfather made to me which was he said that um Using a credit card was like taking out a mortgage on your clothes, <laughs> so I just like decided in that moment that I just wouldn't use credit cards. So but yeah, I, did. if you carry a balance, right, that's what he meant. It wasn't like um, he wasn't saying never get a credit card. When I told him that later on in life, um,
0: he laughed. and Can I just was stop shot. you for a second, though? I yeah. love your grandfather, but as a, I'm asking you as a certified financial planner. In you, yeah. I if you don't have a credit card, how do you establish credit and therefore how do you go on to get credit for the big purchases like a home or a car or your business? So, can you walk me through that logic? Yeah, I'm just not really obsessed with credit.
1: Like I know that like I think credit is important, but I think there's a balance. Like I'm never going to be this like, oh, I need to get all these points and like master credit. I think credit has its place, but I think most people in general aren't very good at, um, using it to the best of their abilities or the way that they should. So of course, if you pay off your credit card every month, that's great. I just don't want it for me. Like I never advocate other people don't use a credit card at all. I just don't need it for me. I have, um, my student loan debt is how I have credit. So that's what I have credit for. And I really don't need it. Like I'm not into real estate. Um, And that's just like a personal money preference. And I love that we're having this discussion because I don't think there's like a one right way, especially for, you know, when you get into the details of money. I really don't.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I still the other day think that a credit card that you're managing responsibly can't hurt because you never know when your credit gets pulled. It could not, it's not just when you want to buy like a home. It could be even when you're trying to rent an apartment, right? And you have student loans. So that, that works to your advantage. You are establishing credit. You have credit. But I think if you don't have that and you need credit, then the easiest thing to do is just open up a credit card, use it responsibly. So when you're applying for a lease, or running a, you know, even like getting a cable subscription plan,
1: (laughs) they check your credit. They do. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm like a renter. I have all those bills, you know, um, I do have, student loan debt. So I do have good credit and I check it, but you're absolutely right. You know, if someone has no, um, debt, and no credit and the easiest way and for them to do it is just get a credit card and pay it off every month. Uh, I just think there's so much out there where people aren't paying it off every month or they don't, they think they have to like carry a balance in order to build their credit or something like yeah, that.
0: How did that myth I get don't spread? Know. The I number of times I have I heard know. that. Same here. <laughs> it makes you wonder if there is some sort of uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Uh, like I don't marketing know. of that. Like I'm like, how did know. you hear that? That's like that's wrong. I think there's <laughs> a. I think the misunderstanding is in that you know having credit helps you establish credit and grow your credit, but it doesn't mean that you have to carry the balance. It's, right. It's like having right. credit is different than having debt.
1: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right. Um, so go sorry, I interrupted you. So you're taking me back to your okay. childhood. Your grandfather told you a credit card is like a mortgage on your clothing. So then and then from there, how did you sort of um grow into having a money mindset?
1: Just from my own um learning, really. So I started reading personal finance books, and I started listening to podcasts, and I just started learning on my own. And that's really, you know, what led me to leave my career. Um, as an attorney and get a job as a financial planner and then get my CFP. So it was all just based on that self-discovery and being very interested in personal growth and personal development. And money is such a part of that because it's like a part of our daily lives. You can't get away from it. So I really, truly believe it's everyone's responsibility to learn about managing money and making money.
0: Your blog at nataliebacon.com is really a lot about kind of having a growth mindset, about managing your money well, but also like managing your life and your time and your priorities. Uh, What would you say is your unique perspective on all things money and, uh, you know, and all that comes with money?
1: So I think I have very different um, philosophies when it comes to making money and managing money. and I it was only probably within the last year that I was really able to appreciate the differences and separate them and how I think for managing money, I'm, you know, my philosophy is, you know get out of debt, <laughs> save an emergency fund, you know, invest in a well-balanced diversified portfolio, kind of the traditional, you know, managing money philosophy for making money. My, the way that you make money for me at least is, um, directly relates to the value that you provide to the world. So I used to think about making money as sort of like a side effect of your like work. And I, I just really didn't understand how to make money. And once I fully understood how to manage money, at least from my work experience as a certified financial planner, then I could shift over to the making money side of it. And I think that separating those two has just been so useful and helpful for me in my life and how I'm able to help other people because they're so different. And for the longest time, I sort of just lumped it all together as money and separating it out is so much more useful, I think.
0: I agree with you because I think that a big part of the conversation that has been missing for a while, glad that we're having a lot of it now, but we're catching up because we haven't really talked about how to make more, how to make enough, how to make money on your terms. I think like to your point, we think of what is it that we want to do and then that paycheck is just a byproduct of it and it's not really in our control. Your mindset, I think, is a lot more current and, uh, you can save until the cows come home <laughs> and then you still might be broke. It's so true. And I think once I really
1: understood that I was able to still love, money management and personal finance and saving and investing, but just know that that's what that is. And making money is separate and different. And it's still worth, you know, going in that direction and kind of balancing both.
0: So you said that getting the law school debt was not a financial failure. And I agree, it really inspired you to open your eyes. What would you say is a failure? So you financial? Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, you know, it's hard not to say that the student loan debt wasn't, it, a failure. I really want to say that it's both because of course, if I would go back in time, I would not take out $206,000 to go to law school and I would not recommend that anyone do that. So that is a financial failure on the one hand, but like you just explained and how I view it is I was really able to turn it into something that's kind of happened for me and turned it into a business and my career ultimately. Um, Other than that, since I don't really use like debt or credit cards, I don't really have another Big financial failure. I would say that when I get a little bit too spendy, it's usually uh, for clothes. <laughs> so I would say that that kind of errs on the side of um, dumb things that I indulge in.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just just today I bought an eleven dollar juice from the grocery yeah. store. From nice. Um, an organic, you know, yeah. it's called yeah. Rocket Launch, has all these. And you know what? I'm not even juicing. Yeah. And it, I'm, I ate a lot That's of crap today. And I feel like I I bought this because I wanted to counterbalance all the bad stuff yeah. I ate. $12, $11 though? It's a lot for juice. It's a lot. <laughs> for
1: one, one juice.
0: Tell me, this is a question brought to us by our sponsor, Chase Slate. What is something, a big ticket item that you are currently saving up for?
1: ooh, a big ticket item, so I would say that travel is something that I'm always saving for, so like my obviously any big lump sums they all it all goes to my student loan debt, and that is you know on my top top of the list to get off get out of debt in the next year but beyond that I really value travel and you know I have my emergency fund and I'm you know retirement accounts and that sort of thing but I think travel is something that I'm just really ready to experience and now that I'm working from home so I think that I will be spending more on travel in the future for sure and those experiences instead of things like clothes <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course yeah I mean there's you know you know it that's studies show that when you spend on experiences that does actually increase happiness yeah where are you where are you headed where do you want to go oh gosh I really want to go to
1: Brussels my grandma's from Brussels I haven't been there yet oh you'll get there yeah I will I'm not worried about it
0: (laughs) what is your number one money habit for someone who is a self-proclaimed spendy
1: So I do something, which is really kind of weird. I make sure, well, I do budget every week and that's not that weird. I make sure that I'm always updating my budget. I do it manually because it gets me in there in the weeds and I make sure that I am not overspending. But I also, I think, which is more interesting, I make sure that I check all my accounts every morning. And so I really try and connect with my money. And I try, I used to have like such resistance. Have you ever been there where you're like, Oh, I don't want to check my bank account. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm like, Ooh, what is that? Why do I feel that way? I don't like that. And so I really want to be, um, you know, I, I say in flow with my money, like I want to love my money and I want to love holding it and I want to create more of it. So, one habit that I'm in, I just make sure that I pull up my accounts every morning. I check how the money is and I really kind of practice just feeling good about having a lot of money. And this, this, it, it's weird, but if you're a spender, this really helps. I know it helps me because um, it's not, it's thinking about holding on to money instead of thinking about what money can buy you.
0: All right. Let's do some so many fill in the blanks, shall we, Natalie? Yeah, yes. All right. So if I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is? Hire a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking as someone who was a lawyer.
1: <laughs> I would. I would hire a lawyer. I'd set up a trust. And then, of course, I'd allocate it. I'd probably do like a percentage allocate to like family donating it and then starting some foundation for young Female entrepreneurs, kind of like me.
0: What's the best financial advice you gave yourself when it comes to managing your money? I, this is, we're derailing a little bit, but I have to ask because you are, you know, you're a financial planner, certified financial planner, which means that you don't have to hire anyone to help you manage your money. You know, you've done a, hopefully a lot of great things with your money. What's like the best move, money move you've ever made? So it
1: really is the money mindset and feeling comfortable making decisions for myself and not thinking that because what I'm doing um, isn't what everyone else is doing that makes it any less like legitimate. So we often want to follow like the latest trends and what everyone else says. And that's so tempting to do, especially with your money. Cause you really don't want to make a make, make a mistake with it. But the biggest gift that I've given myself is to trust my expertise and really do what's best for me, which is, you know, like I don't have a credit card. That's just what works for me. And I know that that's not how I'm, you know, Suggesting everyone else lives their life, but I think that there's enormous power when you've done enough um, learning about money that you can make educated decisions for yourself and know that even if they're different from what other people are doing, that you're still doing what's best for you.
0: All right, let's go back to our fill in the blanks. This one I love. The one thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is healthy food.
1: So I'm with you on the juice. I am a uh, no meat or dairy and I I really value fresh healthy food that's a little bit more expensive than non-healthy food.
0: <laughs> yes, organic. So are you vegan?
1: So I'm not really vegan because a vegan is a big commitment. I mean, I'll still eat things that contain um, you know, like I'll still eat honey or, you know, I'll still eat some seafood if I have to, but any sort of meat like any meat, chicken, steak, all that stuff. I don't eat any um, cheese, milk, yogurt. I don't eat any of that. And that's only it'll be a year next month. So
0: so what made you decide to switch into this healthy lifestyle? um, I, I, I think it's kind of
1: fun and interesting to play around with my health (laughs) because it's not a pain point for me. So I think when I learn new things, I want to try them. So a lot of the stuff last year that I learned was, it was health related. So it's not really animal related as much, but, um, I just value being healthy and trying out what I'm learning and putting those constraints on my life of like no meat and dairy is a lot easier than saying, Uh, meat sometimes because then there's no chatter in my head. It makes it a lot easier just to go cold turkey. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what I've done. And I I, I feel better. Like the no dairy
0: thing, honestly, I feel so much better. I have to say I did the whole 30 diet for a month with my husband in the fall. And, you know, with whole 30, it's all about eating raw natural foods, no processed foods. You Mm -hmm. can't even have like um, a slice of, tur- you know, turkey breast, you know, it has to be, yeah. um, you know, no sugar and everything. So, and no dairy. And I have to say the most kind of, well, I guess the, the most surprising thing for me was the impact of a dairy free month. <laughs> yeah. I felt, I, there was no bloating, um, I, you know, even just, I don't drink that much dairy, like even a little bit in my coffee every morning, that little amount still, I felt like would just like stick to my body. And I don't know what it is. You know what it is about dairy that just doesn't
1: does yeah, it I don't well? know the science behind it. I've heard it so many times, but you forget, you know, it's something with the hormones in it and it's just really um harder for your body and I I feel it. I notice it like you said the bloating in my skin. I can tell um so much. It's just I feel cleaner and I never get that like uncomfortably full. Like I'm still eating a lot and whenever, you know,
0: I want, but I don't
1: feel uncomfortable ever, um, which is kind of great.
0: All right. How about this? One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is value creates money, not time. Value creates money, not time. Can you explain?
1: Yeah. So, that, especially since I'm going into this like entrepreneurship, value creates money, the value that you provide to the world is what creates money, is how you're paid. So even if you're in a full-time job, the value that you provide to your clients or your boss or whomever, the company, that is what you're paid for, not your time. So it might seem like you're in an office for eight hours and you are, but no one's actually like paying you for your hours. (laughs) They're paying you for the contribution you're making. And I think that when you think about earning money based on time, it's like never a winning game. And I wish that I had learned that earlier because for so long I was focused on time spent instead of like, what am I producing? How much value am I providing? And that is really when you start to earn a lot more money.
0: It's a good point because I think when we are oftentimes valuing ourselves at work, comparing ourselves to other colleagues, we're like, well, I work longer hours, I put in more time, and I mean – That is annoying, (laughs) Uh, but it's not (laughs) what you lead with, right? When you go in (laughs) and asking for the raise, that just sounds like you're whining or you're not good at your job. Why is it taking you twice as long to get pulled the same, you know, results? Well, I
1: like to think of like when you go into the Apple store and you buy an iPhone, you don't really care how long and hard they worked on creating it. You want to know what the iPhone does and what values in it. So what you produce is so much more valuable to anyone than how long it took took you to do it, to produce it, how many hours, how hard you worked.
0: That is such a good analogy. Because you're right. As a consumer, I don't care. I don't care that this organic blueprint (laughs) juice took four hours to make or whatever it did or that they used a machine that cost $13,000. Right. And that's why my investment was $11. But uh, that's a really good point. Okay. When I donate, I like to give to blank because...
1: I like to give to my church because I'm Catholic. That's right. it for me right now. I think I'll get more into donating into like bigger causes once I'm out of my student loan debt. Right now, it's like a set amount, and I f- it feels so good to give. Like, I love giving, and I look forward to doing like a percentage of my income uh, down the road. So, all good things to look forward to.
0: Right on. All right. And last but not least, I'm Natalie Bacon. I'm so money because.
1: I'm finally in flow with balancing earning money
0: and saving money. Finally in flow. I like it. Congratulations, Natalie. Power to you. Such an inspiration. Love that you were able to turn what others would maybe consider a burden, $200,000 worth of student loan debt, which, by the way, you're still... You're still working on it. You're still chipping away at it, but it really turned into an eye-opening experience for you that then led to career transitions and now the best career, which is being your own boss. Congratulations. Thank you so much, for And thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to Natalie for coming on the show. Her website is nataliebacon.com and she is on Instagram and Twitter at natalie r bacon. Remember that middle initial R. All this info back at com. If you'd like the transcript, the audio, or if you want to leave a question for me for our Ask Farnoosh sessions on Fridays, please do. Just click on Ask Farnoosh when you're at the website and leave me your question or send in the voicemail. I'm also very active on Instagram these days. It's, it's kind of my favorite social platform right now. I'm kind of late to the party, but I'm having a good time. I'm doing a lot of fun stories. I'm connecting with you all pretty quick, DMing me with your questions or your comments. I really appreciate it. So uh, take advantage of Instagram if you're not connected with me there yet. Please, come on. What are you waiting for? Thank you for showing up for this podcast. I really appreciate your time. I know you have a lot of other shows to choose from, and you've chosen so many, and I am so, so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope your day is so money.